What's up, guys? Welcome back in to another edition of the X's and Notes podcast. I am, of course, Jackson Peebles with Matthew Landry. Uh, wanted to apologize for the late pod. We were kind of waiting to see what was going to happen with the Texas A&M game. Obviously, it got uh, postponed. Um, I doubt that's going to get made up because Texas A&M's made a bunch of uh, – had to postpone a ton of games. I know they've got to play Arkansas and some uh, other teams like that. So, who knows if this game will get made up. Um, it's kind of – situation there's not a whole lot they could do with the weather um there's some more important things that they um are dealing with in texas um so that happened so we weren't really sure we didn't want to record a pod and put it out and then the game get canceled um which was pretty good idea by us because that's exactly what happened so um off the top here before we get into the georgia game like 10 minutes before we started recording uh news broke the alabama extended uh, Nate Oates through 2027 and raised his salary to 3.2 million. Um, Matt, I just want to get some just raw thoughts from you on the extension, um, what you think about it, and just uh, what you see for the future of Alabama basketball with Nate Oates. Yeah, so I, I'm really excited about the extension. And um, I mean, I know you said this in a group chat earlier and it's accurate, but extensions don't mean a whole lot in college basketball as far as it goes for salary per year, years that you have on there. If a school wants you, they're going to come snatch you up. So what is important in this is the buyout clause. And I know Cecil tweeted out earlier that based on the percentages of his original contract, Oates' new buyout would be more than $10 million over the next two seasons. And that's the important figure in all of this. Getting that buyout up to that figure of $10 million is important because of the fact now it's even harder for a school to come after him should they choose, um, especially with, you know, the pandemic going on. A lot of jobs aren't going to come open that maybe would have otherwise. Um, so maybe a couple years for schools would even – schools of the caliber to steal away outs could really come calling. So that buyout number is important, but I'm really excited just to have the long-term commitment both from a standpoint and from Oates' standpoint. Um, both sides are really bought in, hoping to make this thing not just be a one-hit wonder but have it last long-term. Um, I'm excited because of the way the way that Alabama plays is an exciting brand of basketball and it shows in fact they can score 115 points against Georgia and it's like oh yeah that happened like no big deal we move on to the next game like it's nothing Um, but not only that but it's catching on recruiting as well as Alabama is probably going to sign a top 10 class this year that top 10 class after year one of Oates so I'm excited for the brand of basketball we get to play and that continued success that's going to come on the court and off the court with recruiting as well. So really glad to have the Oates family on board long-term. Yeah. If anything, it's just, you know, he deserves a lot of credit for the position he's put Alabama in right now, um, which is, you know, their best team in quite some time, Um, you know, and especially doing all that with everything going on with COVID, um, you know, Alabama football winning a national title. You know, it's, it's been a tough – it's not been the easiest of circumstances for a coach coming into year two, you know, especially when, you know, year one, um, you know, you go 16 and 15, you know, they were right there a lot of times, you know, had a chance to have, you know, win some more games. But, you know, I think there was some uh, momentum coming into year two, but obviously people didn't expect um, Alabama to be, you know, a top ten, have a top ten ranking or anything like that. Um, so – just congrats to him because, you know, he's, he deserves every bit of the years, the money, everything. Um, I think it's Alabama wanting to lock him up, obviously, um, and, you know, try to increase that buyout because, you know, like 
like you said, it doesn't mean a whole lot in terms of, you know, if there's a job that really wants him, you know, they can pay that kind of money. But, you know, and I don't expect Oates to be um, at Alabama forever. Uh, you know, that's certainly a possibility. I also don't want to turn the podcast into this, but um, he, you know, I don't, I see, I think he'll be at Alabama for a little while. Um, and so this, you know, it's good to see him get that recognition he deserves. Um, but first things first, you know, Alabama put up 115 points against Georgia's 1.4 points per possession, their best offensive performance of the year. Um, it's crazy to think that Alabama did what they did to LSU and then they, they were able to top that, um, you know, not only a few weeks later. So that was crazy impressive. Um, so, Matt, just what are your thoughts uh, from the offense? You know, that's been a lot of things we've talked about. Uh, you know, the offense is struggling, the offense is struggling. You know, we both kind of thought um, with how poor of a defensive team Georgia is, Alabama had a chance to, uh, you know, maybe get back on track. But I don't think any of us expected um, what we saw on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say that I expected to score 115. I think my prediction was like the high 80s. And I thought even that was a little bit optimistic. Um, but yeah, Georgia's pretty abysmal on defense, and Alabama took full advantage of it. Shots were falling. The ball movement, I thought, was really, really good. Um, Herb was able to get downhill kind of whenever he wanted, which was good for open kickouts. Also, when have we ever seen Herb just curl up onto the wing and pull a three and with all confidence, and it just goes in? So that that was really fun to see. He looked like more of himself, which is really important going forward, and it's part of the reason I was you know kind of happy – no, I'm not happy about the circumstances of why we had to cancel the AM game, but I am happy that we were able to have just kind of the week off to prepare for this upcoming stretch and get Herb a little bit healthier, get everybody a little bit healthier. Um, but I thought the offense looked a lot better, like we were hoping it would. The defense, you know, I, I want your thoughts on the defense whenever I turn it over to you here, but um, the defense was a little shaky. Wheeler kind of got to whatever spots he wanted to get to, which was a little bit frustrating at times. Early on, Kamara was able to kind of do whatever he wanted on the inside as well. Um, they did, you know, they didn't let Keir get going from three, which was something I talked about early on in the podcast last time about how you to kind of try to limit him. KD Johnson's another guy that got whatever he wanted. He got to the rim at will, and it resulted in a lot of free throws. I believe he shot like 15 free throws or something absurd like that, had like 24 points. Um, so, you know, you would have liked to have seen them do a better job on Katie Johnson and Severe Wheeler. But all in all, whenever you win the game by 31 points, that's just being a little picky of what to be mad at. But you'd like to see it cleaned up moving forward, which I fully expect them to have cleaned up as well. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Herb, and I think he did an interview on Feinbaum or something. He said he was playing at like 80%. He looked – I mean, it's – you know, we don't know. We're just watching – but he looked really close to 100% uh, against Georgia. You know, his first step was like we're used to seeing. You know, he was getting uh, past his man with ease, getting to the rack. Um, he hit a lot of shots, like you said. Um, you know, he looked like he was back in control of the game. You know, um, against South Carolina, he really struggled, um, turned the ball over a lot. You know, he still contributed, but he wasn't the herb we're used to seeing. Um, but, you know, that – against Georgia, you know, offensively at least, probably his best game of the season, um, taking everything into account. I mean, 21 points. It was four or five uh, from two, three or four from three. Um, he had four assists. Um, on the defensive end, he had three blocks. You know, he was – this was – when you're looking at SEC player of the year, this is probably his 
um, his statement game, you know, he's had bigger moments against better competition um, for sure. But in terms of an all-in-all performance, uh, he put together one of his best against Georgia. Um, defensively, overall, you know, gave up a point per possession to Georgia. You know, it didn't really matter um, because of what they did on offense. But, um, you know, I was a little disappointed, especially in the first half. You know, Georgia was able to get into the paint, which is not what we're used to seeing. You know, that's kind of um, Alabama's identity on defense is they're not going to let you get to the paint, uh, let you get to the rim. Um, you know, they're really looking to lock down the paint. In Georgia, you know, Severe Wheeler is only 5'10 or whatever he is. He was getting in there. Um, you know, some of their guards were able to get to the rim. Uh, and I think uh, Oates talked about it after the game. He's pretty disappointed um, in the way Alabama played defensively. You know, it's not that they played bad defensively. I mean, and I think part of it is just natural. When you have an offensive performance like that, your defense is going to slack off a little bit. Like, I mean, Alabama wasn't going to beat them by 50, you know. So when you score 115, I mean, to give up 82, a point per possession, that's not a bad defensive performance. And Georgia is not bad offensively by any means. Um, so, you know, they – but even with that, they only shot two of 19 from three. They All their points came from two. Um, which leads me into a question I wanted to ask. You know, there's a, something put out in The Athletic talking about how Alabama was kind of getting lucky with their opponents um, shooting a poor percentage from three. And right now they're sitting at 28.5% um, opponent three-point percentage, which is ninth in the country. So do you think that that's something that's going to regress, you know, uh, maybe come tournament time, that's something to watch out for as Alabama plays some better offensive teams? Or is that just a testament to Alabama's defense that that's one thing they're good at is taking away the three? Uh, so I want to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, so I think it's kind of a mixed bag. I do think that come NCAA tournament, whenever you're playing, if you do play a team that's similar to Alabama and that they want to jack up threes, they're a little bit more efficient at it than some of the SEC teams that we've seen. You know, against a team like, let's say, Iowa, yeah, you would worry about that a little bit because you haven't been tested by an elite three-point shooting team to this point. But at the same time, whenever you look and see the shots that Alabama's defense is forcing teams into, it's encouraging still. So I do think that, in a way, maybe they're getting a little bit lucky at the teams that they're playing aren't elite three-point shooting teams. But it's not like they're giving up wide-open threes every single possession and teams are just leaving them there. A lot of the times, Alabama's forcing teams into – tougher three-point shot attempts that are contested later on in the shot clock or just off the catch where the rotation does a really good job of closing out, or they're forcing teams into driving and pulling up from two because they're protecting the paint very well. You tweeted out a clip earlier today about how Primo got blown by it, and then the help defense was just absolutely perfect to make a paint attempt really hard for the shot. So I think a lot of it is also that Alabama's forcing teams into some really tough twos and they're able to take away the threes with their length to eliminate some of the passing lanes for kickout opportunities. They're closing out well for the most part. And really on the bad closeouts, they're good enough to where teams are driving rather than shooting three anyway. So I think a big portion of it is that Alabama is not giving up open threes and easy threes, which is part of the reason that opponents are shooting so poorly from three, that 28.5%. Yeah, and a couple of things to go along with that. Um, first, I kind of want to get into – part of why I think Alabama um, defensively needs some credit. They do commit a lot of help, especially on paint touches, like you said. Um, they really they really want to cut off penetration, and um, they're not one of those teams that's just going to, like, stick to shooters. You know, they provide a lot of help. 
um, which is interesting when you consider how they play offensively. Um, it's kind of a unique uh, thing philosophy-wise for Alabama. But one thing that they are just really, really good at, um, and that's something I've noticed watching film all year, is scrambling to the ball. You know, there's a lot of times where a guy will make the right play. Um, you know, when a help defender comes over, he'll kick it out. But Alabama is so good in scramble situations. They're so long and athletic. Um, guys like Petty, Hurd, Primo, all those guys are really good at scrambling back to the ball, back to their man, you know, whether it's like Xing out. Um, they're really good at communicating on scrambles too. I think that's a big part of it. So even when, you know, you draw a help defender and you make the right play on a kick out, um, whether it's to the corner or to the wing, um, sometimes you might have a shot, but a, a lot of times they'll take that shot and it's still Alabama gets a good contest. Um, you know, I think that's one thing that they're really um, – when you look at their defense, um, like their strengths, that's one of their biggest strengths in defending the three-point line. Uh, you know, they do it kind of uh, differently. You know, a lot of teams, when they want to take threes, they just uh, take away threes. Uh, they just don't help off. I mean, Alabama does help a little more, but they're really good at getting back um, to their man and to, uh, you know, X and out, scrambling. So I think that's part of it. Uh, now, another part of it is um, – in terms of three-point attempt rate, the SEC is 24th um, out of the 32 conferences. The conference just doesn't take as many threes as, you know, the Big Ten, uh, the Big 12, conference, you know, the Big East, some of those conferences. And we've talked about it, too. Alabama's won a lot of games this year before the game even tipped off just because of philosophy. You know, teams that are insistent on taking uh, twos, a lot of mid-range shots, um, things like that. Alabama is just way too efficient on the defensive end um, to beat playing like that with how, especially if they're on offensively, which they were for definitely the first half of the conference uh, schedule. So teams like Tennessee, Ole Miss, um, games like that, those games were, were won because of style. And, you know, I think we may see if Alabama continues – um, a little run of dominance here in the next year or so. Some coaches may start changing up some things because right now there's – and when you look at how Alabama plays, there's not a ton of teams um, that replicate that style in the conference. Uh, so, Matt, I wanted your thoughts on that and um, what you if you think that that has some truth to it. Yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of exactly what I was about to run by you at the same time. Um, yeah, so I think a lot of it has to do with the conference's philosophy. Like you said, teams in the Big Ten, the Big East, they're going to shoot a little bit more from three. Um, they're going to play a different brand of basketball than down here. Um, a lot of the teams in the SEC are bigger, more athletic teams than you're going to see elsewhere. And a lot of those teams are going to want to get inside. They're going to want to drive and shoot layups, dunks, post scores. They're going to try to go there. Where Alabama philosophy-wise is kind of a, really ahead of the rest of the SEC when it comes to modern basketball. Um, they're much more get feet in the paint, kick out for three, shoot a lot of threes, shoot a lot of rim shots and nothing else where the rest of the conference is lagging there. Um, so I think a big portion of those figures are that, you know, the conference is behind when it comes to shooting the threes. Um, and th what you said that I really liked is that a lot of the times Alabama's won the game for tip because the other team schemes just aren't there. Schematically, they're not capable of keeping up with Alabama unless Alabama just runs in an ice cold night. Um, and I think that's really the majority of the conference right now. Um, I do think that 
over the next couple of years, you are going to see teams kind of adjust to this and maybe implement this on their own as well. But I would be really surprised if next year and moving forward, we see Kentucky teams that aren't adapted in some way to this, both defensively and offensively. And that goes for the rest of the league as well. You know, I think they're going to catch up with the times. You know, it's very – I'm surprised to see Cal behind the times in this sense. Um, but I think he's going to catch up quickly there. I think the rest of the conference is going to catch up and adapt to this style of basketball, which is only going to make the conference even better and more fun to watch on a national scale. Yeah, and Alabama's done a really good job of blending some of um, – you know, they still have that SEC kind of player, um, you know, the athlete, uh, long, big um, kind of player. They blended that with that style, which shows, you know, you see a lot of teams like Nebraska and Northwestern come to mind. You know, they don't have the players, um, but they're playing that kind of five-out style, but they're just getting smashed, you know, night in, night out because um, they, uh, they don't have it on the defensive end. But Alabama kind of brings it, you know, and I think – one thing that you see, um, to me, there's some – not saying Alabama is the same – on the same level as them, but there's some comparisons to be drawn to Baylor because of how Baylor plays on the offensive end combined with the way they play defensively and the athletes that they have, and that's what makes it so, uh, you know, so tough to beat. Um, but getting back to the George game a little bit, the biggest thing was, you know, Alabama's really struggled in the paint recently. Um that was not the case against Georgia. You know, they went 18 for 26 from two, um, nearly 70%. So that was really good to see. They also got to the foul line 30 times, made 25 of them. And then, of course, 18 of 30 from three. You're not going to get many more nights um, that's more efficient than that. So, Matt, what did you see from Alabama specifically uh, getting to the rim and getting to the foul line, and how big was that? Yeah, I mean, it was huge. We talked about – before the game on the last podcast that we really needed to see the offense get going against a Georgia squad that really can't defend. Um, getting to the free throw line, and it was one thing you mentioned before the game that you really wanted to see us get after. And it's important come tournament time that you're capable of doing it. Well, the team got to the line 30 times. That's extremely impressive. You know, that's something that you're not going to see replicated all the time. You know, some of that probably is SEC officiating, blowing the whistle to blow the whistle. But a big part of that is that Alabama got to the rim at will because Georgia – could not stay in front of Alabama's guards and wings. Um, you know, Shaq got to the line seven times, Herb seven times. Um, those two guys led the team there. Whenever you have those two guys attacking the rim and going through contact like we've talked about rather than shying away, and I think a big part of that is that they're healthy now, or healthier at least, um, that makes a big difference in getting to the free throw line, finishing at the rim. It just makes your percentage is a lot higher of getting points in that possession, which is really, really important. And, I'm sure Oates has been harping on it all season long because this has been an issue on and off throughout the season. Um, but all in all, I thought that Herb did a great job commanding the offense the entire game. When he had the ball, he was a threat from three, obviously, as he had a career night from three. Um, but he also he got to the – he got feed in the paint whenever he wanted to. Georgia didn't really have an answer for him. He was a mismatch nightmare for them being a, such a big guard. Um, he was able to slash and get wherever he wanted. Petty got inside whenever he wanted. Primo did a good job attacking as well. Shaq obviously did as well, getting to the line seven times. All in all, I thought our guards did a really good job kind of commanding the pace and the tempo of this game and saying that they weren't going to settle for a three unless it was just a really good look and attacking the lane to get better looks moving forward as well, which is something that you want to see consistently moving forward. 
Well, I couldn't help but notice that you did not mention our guy, Javon Quinterly, who deserves <laughs> some credit. You know, we we have been critical of Javon, um, and not overly critical, but we've talked about his struggles. Um, mm. He had 16 points in this game, four assists, and here's the kicker, yeah. four of four from three, Matt, up to 43.9% on the season. Let's round it up, 44. 44%. <laughs> On the season, 29 of 66. He was fantastic. Who knew? He was, He really was. You could tell a lot of those threes, too, were just like uh guy in his face, you know, just pulling up, yeah. um, making it right in his face. He was playing with a lot of confidence. I mean, he got to the rim um, a few times. You know, he got out in transition a little bit. That's kind of something I've been wanting to see from him, uh, you know, get it out and run. So he was really good um, in this game, too. And, you know, there wasn't really anybody for Alabama that didn't play uh, – well on Saturday. So that was really good to see from uh, Javon specifically. Um, so some the bad news, Alabama did move to second defensive efficiency. You know, Loyola went to double overtime with Drake, and I don't think they even combined for 100 points in that game. So Loyola back into first um, in defensive efficiency. And so now um, one thing with this game too, you know, we talked about, you know, the 18 turnovers um, you would like to see uh, that go away, even with the amount of possessions, that's still a uh, 22% turnover rate. You know, Alabama, that's over Alabama's season average um, of 19%. Uh, is that the biggest thing that you're worried about with this team going forward, or is it something else? No, I think it's turnovers, especially because, like we've talked about, a lot of them are just unforced. Um, Wheeler did a pretty good job at forcing turnovers. I think he had three steals. So, I mean, he's, he's a pest. Um, not a lot of teams have guys like that, which is encouraging. But the what's not encouraging about that is is that you still left so many potential points on the board just by handing it to the other team, just being too loose with your handle or dribbling off your foot, throwing it where no one is, um, to where the defense is able to easily scoop it and go. You know, that's that's the biggest worry for me. It's just that it's it's just mental errors. It's things that you can completely control. And credit to Javon Quinterly for the game he played. He was fantastic. It seems like with him specifically, early on in games, he has turnover issues. In the second half, he really gets going as he gets more adjusted, seeing what the defense is going to do to guard him and the rest of the team. And that's where he's leaving his mark as the second halves. Because um, he still had three turnovers. Um, he was second on the team in turnovers right behind Petty. Um, and they were, they were turnovers that were easily preventable for the most part. Um, so that's got to be cleaned up. But, you know, if that's really our biggest concern is turnovers, which is something that – it's something that's controllable at least. You know, a lot of the times with years in the past – or in years past, we've had to worry about effort on the defensive end and rebounding. We've had to worry about if we're capable of hitting shots, if teams are going to clog the paint. Well, now we know that we can score in a variety of ways, so we just have to worry about taking care of the ball. We know that we're going to bring the effort for at least the last 10 minutes in road games at 11 o'clock. Um, so you'd like to see those get cleaned up as well. But you you know that what this team is capable of. So if they clean up some of these mental errors, I think you're really going to see a team that's worthy of being this top six overall team as far as seeding goes in the tournament, the top eight ranking that I assume Alabama will have next week and so on. Yeah, I think that's definitely the thing too. You know, they've got to clean up some of those unforced turnovers, especially um, just because – you know, there's going to be nights, you know, could Alabama have stringed together four or five games where they're just super hot in the tournament? You know, that's possible. 
Um, but you want to be able to win those games when, um, you know, if you do have an off shooting night and shoot, you know, 30% from three. And part of that's going to be taking care of the ball. Um, so that's a big thing going forward. You know, Alabama, uh, I still think, um, you know, they've gotten a lot better from last year when it comes to uh, their tempo and taking care of the ball. But there's still a lot of work to uh, to go there. So I would agree that I think that's the biggest thing going forward. Um, so get Vandy on Saturday now at home. Um, Vandy coming off a close loss to Kentucky. Um, they lost by four at home, 82-78. Um, before that, they went to Mississippi State and just won by 21, which was kind of unexpected. Um, but if you look at their last few games, you know, three-point loss uh, at Georgia, six-point loss to Auburn, um, then the blowout win against Mississippi State and a close loss to Kentucky. They also beat South Carolina by 12. So before that, they were on like a six-game losing streak, and now they're playing pretty competitive. Um, so this is not just, you know, walk in um, and win the game kind of thing. You know, they're still easily the worst team in the conference, um, but they've shown that they're able to compete with some teams. Uh, so, Matt, I know Scotty Pippen Jr., um, spelled with an I, or spelled with a Y, excuse me, not an IE, is uh, their best player. But who are some other guys that uh, you think uh, could give Alabama some trouble? And you can talk about Scotty too. Yeah, so I'm more upset that you just stole my fun Vandy fact away that Scotty Pippen Jr., the son of NBA Hall of Famer um, Scotty Pippen, spells his first name differently than his father, which is just well, so intriguing. Well, Scotty Scotty Pippen's name was originally spelled with a Y, I think, but yes, people I just started right. people just started spelling it wrong, and he just kind of went with it. Right. So I wonder if maybe if we start misspelling Scotty Pippen Jr., he'll <laughs> he'll go with it, or what's going to happen. But I, I've always thought that was super funny. And I will mention it every time we play Mandy. Um, as far as personnel-wise goes, Scotty's their best player by a pretty wide margin. Um, he's averaging 20 a game with five assists, close to two steals, shoots 37% from three. Um, they're a team that they're going to shoot the ball. They're going to try their best to get open threes. You know, Stat gets a lot of grief because he's not, you know, the most welcoming coach. Some of the sets he runs are really impressive. He runs an NBA-style offense. He was a G League coach forever. Um, so I, I actually think Stack's a pretty good coach. He's going to be hard to game plan for because of the fact he runs so many different things based on who they're playing. And like you said, this Vandy team has been really competitive lately. So I don't think this is a game that you can just walk in and guarantee a win. I do think it's a game that, you know, it's pretty inexcusable if you don't win it, kind of like last year's game was at home. So you know that these guys and, <laughs> and Oates are hungry for this one to kind of make up for that loss. Fun fact, also, that was the last – Alabama basketball game I saw in person. So I'm dying to get back to a game for that reason. Um, yeah, same, same for me. Dylan DeSue, those are the two guys to watch. They're going to shoot the ball often. And, you know, this is – we talked about how Georgia was the worst defense in the conference. You're getting the second worst defense now. So Alabama should be able to put up points pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, um, definitely with – Fun fact about Scotty, he's got the fourth highest usage rate in the country. Um, mm -hmm. So it's kind of all on his shoulders. You know, they're really looking for him uh, to carry the load. Um, but, you know, Dylan DeSue, he's always been kind of an underrated player in the SEC to me. Um, you know, 6'9 guy that can shoot it, um, you know, pretty good um, around the rim too. Uh, I think he's a really solid player. But to me, it's going to boil down to 
um, you know, how well Scottie Pippen Jr. plays um, and how they shoot the ball. You know, they shoot a lot of threes too. Um, so this, this game uh, will have a lot of threes put up. But, um, yeah, defensively they're, they're really struggling. Um, you know, you give up 82 points to Kentucky, that kind of just <laughs> in and of itself kind of shows you. <clears throat> but, yeah, they're, they're, they struggle on defense. Um, so this could be uh, another big game for Alabama offensively. I think Alabama will be able to get to the rim. Um, you know, they're, Vandy doesn't really have a paint presence defensively. So this could be another game where Alabama, you know, I think their game plan will be to get to the rim as often as they can and really put the pressure on the Vandy defense. Um, but, you know, not a whole lot to talk about with this game. You know, this is a game at home. Like you said, Ken Palm projects a 17-point win for Alabama. That's probably about – what the point spread will be. This is a game that you need to win. You know, you need to dominate, you know, from the tip to finish. Um, and I, you know, I expect Alabama to do that. You know, they, especially losing these guys at home last year, the way that they did, um, you know, for that to happen again, it would have to, it would mean that I think Saban Lee had a, like 87 points in that game. So Scotty Pippen Jr. will probably have to replicate that if they want to win this time. So, uh, you know, I fully expect Alabama to take care of business um, before, you know, this is their uh, tune-up before, you know, their toughest uh, remaining game of the season, uh, which is at Arkansas uh, on February 24th. So, Matt, give me some uh, predictions and some keys and how you think this one's going to play out. Yeah, the key, the biggest key to the game is to not let Scotty Pippen Jr. replicate the Saban Lee game from last year. Um, that game still gives me nightmares. Um, Saban Lee really did score at least 87 points on 112% shooting. So it was frustrating. Um, but yeah, so the keys are limit Scottie Pippen. He's going to try to get his and he's good. He's going to score. Um, but you want to try to limit him into forcing some bad shots. You want to Vandy's like we talked about Vandy's a team that's going to shoot the three, I believe in conference play, they are the third best three point shooting team. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. Um, but they're going to try to get the hands and the ball into the hands of shooters. Um, so we talked about earlier on that, you know, Alabama has been kind of quote unquote lucky with teams not shooting the ball well against them. So this is kind of a test to that. You're going to see a team that's going to shoot threes. And they're going to try to get open looks. So how does Alabama respond to that? Uh, they're such, they're so good in scramble that you got to hope that that's replicated in this game. You don't give the easy threes. You don't give Pippen easy threes. Um, the rest of the team, you just can't give them open looks. You want to force them into tough shots at the rim since they're not a really big team. You want to force them into some bad mid-range shots like Alabama's was really good at. Um, and this shouldn't be a game that you have to worry about the offensive boards killing you quite as much because of the fact they don't have an inside presence, kind of like Georgia. Um, so you want to see kind of just – really, I think the keys to this game are just kind of playing your style of basketball. Do what you do. Do what you can control – control the game from start to finish. Like you said, this is an early tip off noon central time. You know, this is an area where Alabama struggled this season and these early tip offs. Granted, this is the first one that's actually at home. Um, but you, you want to control it from start to finish. You don't want the effort to be poor early and keep Vandy in the game. You want to dominate this one because that's a big tune up game for the big Arkansas game coming up that can go a really long way in who wins the SEC title since Alabama can clinch the title outright at Arkansas, given they beat Vandy. So my prediction is going to be that Alabama wins this game 92 to 73. 
Um, I think they're going to force Vandy into some turnovers, and hopefully they clean up their unforced turnovers as well. Um, I think Herb's going to be able to get to the rim whenever he wants since they don't have an inside presence. I don't think they have the wings to guard him. I'm not even sure who they're going to match up on him, honestly. Um, so I, I think he's going to be a matchup nightmare and have another SEC player of the year caliber game. I think that you're going to be able to get a lot of open shots. Vandy's not good at guarding the three. Um, so I think this is an opportunity for Alabama to score a lot of points and we could see a, a really fun game from them like we did last Saturday. Yeah, Vandy's the worst team in the SEC at guarding the three. Um, mm -hmm. Actually dead last, 38.6%. Um, um, but yeah, the Arkansas game is going to be big now. They've won four in a row. Um, mm -hmm. I, I don't know if they're back ranked or not. I think I think they were. I think they um, were. Yeah, like right inside the top 25. Um, so that's Alabama's biggest game remaining. And then, of course, Auburn um, season finale at home. But, yeah, you know, I think I think you can withstand, you know, 25 points from Scottie Pippen Jr. It's just you can't um, you can't let their supporting cast make shots. Because um, mm -hmm. if they do, that's what's going to keep Bandy in the game. Um, you know, they do play hard for all their faults. Um, you know, so it's not – they're not going to be a team that's just going to lay down once Alabama gets a little bit of a lead. So – Alabama's going to have to come ready to play. Um, I think uh, Alabama's going to get to 90 quite easily, too. I'll say uh, 94 to 70 win for Alabama. Um, so this is a game that Alabama needs to win. They need to win it going away um, just because, you know, they're the much better team um, and they're at home. So I think this would be a pretty easy game for Alabama, you know, just, you know, they need, they, like you said, they need to control what you can control. You know, this is a game where you, you're, you're trying to work on some things, work on taking care of the ball, uh, get to the rim, you know, just play with that same intensity as you're going to play, um, you know, in Bud Walton in a couple weeks. So this is a uh, second to last home game for Alabama. So, yeah, so, you know, everybody, if you're able to go, you know, go enjoy it. You know, second to last chance to see this team in action. No NIT home games this year, baby. So. You know, enjoy it while you can. Well, I think that's all we've got. So, again, apologize for the late pod, uh, but we'll try to be better after the Vandy game. Uh, preview that big Arkansas game coming up uh, next Wednesday. So, we'll see you guys later.